Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon. Shabbat Shalom! As you all know, this week's Parsha is Vayeshev, the story of Joseph. Way, way back many centuries ago, not long after the Bible began, Jacob lived in the land of Canaan. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you don't need to hear me sing anymore this morning. And as much as I would love to perform, all the songs from Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat for you, I decided to talk about dreams instead. In this week's Parsha, Joseph dreams about 11 sheaves of wheat bowing down to a bigger, better 12th sheaf of wheat. Joseph also dreams about the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowing down to one bright star. When his brothers hear about these dreams, they understand the dreams to mean that they should bow down to Joseph. Later in the story, while in jail, Joseph interprets dreams for Pharaoh. As you can see, Joseph has a special relationship with dreams. Today I'm going to focus on the dreams that Joseph dreamt about his future because what interests me in this Parsha is how Joseph's dreams came true. While studying with my dad, I discovered that the Jewish and secular worlds have much to say about dreams. One take on dreams is Sigmund Freud's. In his book, The Interpretation of Dreams, Freud believes that dreams come from your subconscious, a part of your mind that is hidden while you are awake, but active while you sleep. Dreams are a way for your subconscious to send you a message while you sleep, but it's a message in disguise. By paying attention to every detail in a dream, you can find the hidden message in the dream and learn more about yourself. Similar to Freud, Carl Jung teaches that dreams are the utterance of the subconscious. The subconscious is like a seed of a flower that has yet to bloom into an experience. So, according to Jung, dreams are the expression of experiences that have yet to come to life. A neuroscientific opinion on dreams <laughs> is that we dream to forget. While you are awake, your brain makes tons of neurological connections for everything you do. While you sleep, your brain takes all of these neurological connections, stores the significant ones, and dumps the useless ones. This is called reverse learning. While your brain goes through the process of reverse learning, your brain shows you images associated with these neurological connections, which then results in a dream. Although there are many secular views on dreams, there are also many Jewish views on dreams. For example, the Gemara teaches that a dream is one-sixtieth prophecy, and that sleep is one-sixtieth death. This is a bit puzzling. What does it mean? <laughs> to help explain it, we are going to take a small detour to Aristotle. He says, 
Everything has a natural affinity to its source. The body wants to return to the earth from whence it came, and eventually it will, and the soul yearns to return to God. The power of the soul keeps the body from returning to its source, while the living body has enough force to contain the soul. At the moment the body loses its life force, the soul escapes and is allowed the journey home. So, according to Aristotle, while you are asleep and you are not fully connected to your body, your soul rises a little and connects to God. The rabbis of the Gemara had similar thoughts to Aristotle. They taught that prophetic dreams do not occur in the beginning of the night when digestion begins. Yes, digestion. They may occur in the middle of the night when digestion is finishing, and they are most likely to occur in the early morning when digestion is completed. That is because your soul is still contained by your body even when you are digesting when you are asleep. But as your body becomes less and less active during the night, your soul rises upward. The rabbis believed that the soul rising to God is what makes a dream one sixtieth prophecy. But this also works the other way. While your soul is drifting up towards God, your body drifts down towards the earth. That is why the Gemara teaches that sleep is one sixtieth death. These are all very interesting ways of considering dreams, but my favorite subject on dreams is interpretation. In perhaps one of the most famous lines about dreams found in the Gemara, the rabbis say, A dream uninterpreted is like a letter unread. The Gemara is trying to teach that dream interpretation is very important. To emphasize this, the Gemara included the teaching of Rabbi Bana'a who said, There were 24 interpreters of dreams in Jerusalem. One time, I dreamed a dream and went to each of the interpreters to interpret it. What one interpreted for me, the other did not interpret for me, and all of the interpretations were realized in me to fulfill that which is stated. All dreams follow the mouth of the interpreter. What I realized that Rabbi Bana'a is trying to teach us is that what matters most is not the reality, but the way you react to it. While dreams may show us our potential, we have to take action and do something with them. The dreamer must interpret the meaning of the dream and then act on it. The dream's interpretation is up to you, and you must decide how to make the dream come true. As I thought about this, I began to see how this connects to our lives now and Joseph's life way, way back many centuries ago. This past year has been a whirlwind of new normals, different procedures, and lots of hand sanitizer. My classmates and I did Zoom school for a year, and then we attended warped COVID school, and now we are finally on our way to a more normal experience, but with COVID testing and masks. Many activities were canceled or switched at the last minute. I could go on, but we all know what I'm talking about. The point is, there were so many ways we all could have reacted. 
I could have stayed at home for a year, feeling sorry for myself. But instead, I tried to make the best of the situation and do what I could. In my case, I reacted to the pandemic. For Joseph, he reacted to his dreams. Maybe the dreams were of his future. Maybe the dreams were to be ignored. But in the end, Joseph realized his potential. He interpreted his dreams, took his future into his own hands, and made it what he wanted. As a little experiment, I decided to keep a dream journal for a week or so and write down my dreams. After reviewing my dreams, I realized they had a deeper meaning after all. Most of my dreams included things I might be afraid of during the day. I had dreams of not being able to slow down, forgetting crucial things, and losing valuable items. But all of these dreams had nonsense details, like a war between the Hogwarts houses or a theme park that was a cartoon. I decided to interpret these dreams as a message to slow down a little each day or double-check my backpack to make sure I'm not forgetting something. It only took a little mindfulness each morning to better understand myself and my life. This connects back to the idea that a dream is only one's 60th prophecy. In the article, Dreams and Judaism, from the Oxford Chabad Society, I read about how prophecy takes away the free will of humans. If a prophet told us that we would get up and move to New York tomorrow, we wouldn't have a choice because God already told us through a prophet. But if a dream is only one's 60th prophecy, People have to use their understanding, willpower, and determination to turn a dream into prophecy and prophecy into reality. Dreams give us a glimpse of the future, but it is up to us to interpret them and to make them come true. So remember, you don't need a crystal ball to interpret your dreams. Take a little time to listen to your dreams and to try and understand them because you are in charge of your future. I would like to thank the many people who turned this day of the dream of today into reality. A big thank you goes to Robert Fluke, who prepared me for this day and guided me throughout the bat mitzvah process. Thank you to Rabbi Klickfeld and Cantor Chorney, who helped me prepare the drosh and davening for today. I am very grateful to those of you who traveled from near and far to be with me and to share this simcha with my family and me. Thank you especially to Uncle Adam and Sharon and Ella for traveling all the way from Israel to be part of this celebration. I also want to recognize the people who have shaped me. Bubby, I am so lucky to have you in my life. I love attending Camp Austin every summer, and we always have the best times together. Grandpa and Irene, I love when you come for Shabbat dinner, and Grandpa, I love receiving emails from you, even though I might not always respond. <laughs> Mariah and Sarah, you may have dropped me a couple times when I was a baby, <laughs> but you are still the best older sisters anyone could have. I know that you are always there for me, and I love you very much. My extraordinary parents, you are always there to guide me and help me no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
would not be here without your love and support. Words cannot express how grateful I am to you. I love you so much. <laughs> Last but not least, I would like to thank all of you, my friends, my extended family, and my community for being here and supporting me on this special day. Shabbat shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.